When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie May. Can you do that by heart now? And then I usually go, how, how you living? How you loving? How you learning? I, I mix it up a little bit. You know, I like to have like little, little things that just come out of me that come out of me naturally. Like a baby. No, no, it's way too soon. By the way, birth, as natural as we say it is, seems really, really brutal. And I guess you can't have beautiful things without destruction. And we get into that in this podcast. But before we get into that, I would like to ask you to take your cute little fanny and march it, walk it, march it, watch it, (laughs) march it right on over to my YouTube page. That's right. Your girl's on YouTube. And if you're listening, you probably know. But have you really gone there? I need you to go there for me, for you, for everyone, for the world so they can enjoy my face. If you want to watch this podcast, you can do so on my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Jessie Mae Peluso. That's right. I don't want to brag, but I am on the tube of you and there is no tube without you. So I'm asking you to get on over there, subscribe, like, share all the good things. And we also are back up and running on our fan page, patreon.com forward slash Jessie Mae Peluso as well. So you're going to be getting a bonus episode there as well as extras. And I appreciate everyone's patience with my life and my healing and getting through all of the, for a lack of a better term, tumultuous experiences that I've gone through in the past four years <laughs> that have literally been a fucking roller coaster of trauma and healing and trauma and healing. And I have dug in as hard as I can to get to work and show up and be better than I was before and fuck if it isn't hard so I appreciate everyone who's stuck through me on this podcast stuck it through with us who's come back who has shared the podcast with their friends and it means the world to me and I've told you this before but this podcast has without me even knowing it kept me afloat during the hardest times in my life it's given me a focal point and has been a buoy through everything through the through the wild waters of life so thank you so so much ahead of time You guys are fucking awesome, and I really, really appreciate all of your support. Um, And speaking of support, you guys, we've got a a fun one today. We have a fun sponsor for the podcast. I did a little digging on Dipsy. Dipsy, has anyone heard of Dipsy? Well, you know, sometimes doing less can lead to so much more, and Dipsy is basically a website that has erotic stories that are catered to women. I know it sounds strange, right? Like, auto erotica and don't think of david corrigan was that his name uh uh, who's david carradine we're not talking about that type of auto erotica we're talking about like listening to erotic stories and also r.i.p for for david we miss you kill bill will always remain in our hearts is one of the greatest cinematic adventures of all time and your career was fantastic but this is about women this is not to belittle your death but hey the rebirth of a woman's sexual exploration which I feel is kind of missing in the world. And Dipsy stories, 
They basically believe in less analyzing and more feeling your feelings. So it is literally for women. Here's the thing about women, the devil's in the details. And sometimes we like to be devilish, you know, sometimes for women, the details are the things that get us going. You know, they always say it takes a while to warm a woman up. We're kind of like a car. Well, these autoerotic stories can sort of help you warm yourself up. And damn if we don't deserve that, you know, less stressing and more easing into things. And I know it might sound a little different and maybe you're like, oh, I don't know about that, but just try it. You can do it on your own time. You can literally be walking your dog and listening to erotica. <laughs> that, not that that's what I did this morning. Not me walking and listening to Dipsy in the morning. You know, I feel like in this world with social media and everything that we have at our fingertips, we're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling at things that don't really add any value to our life. So you might as well give Dipsy a try and have a little bit of less scrolling and a little bit more of savoring in the moment, like less pressure and more pleasure. Do you remember that from Chris Farley? <laughs> it was like, this body is made for pleasure. Well, a woman's body is made for pleasure too. And damn if we shouldn't learn how to give ourselves a little bit of pleasure. I don't know about you, but Whenever I am intimate, I, I love when a guy talks to me. We're going to get real personal. I love hearing things. I don't know if that makes me like an audio sexual. I'm definitely a sapiosexual. I know people are probably like, oh, that's the new moist. But I really am <laughs> sapiosexual. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but Neil deGrasse Tyson is so hot. Bill Nye, move over. Drip drop lollipop. I, I honestly... That's just my style, you know? So I don't know about you girls from like how you start your mornings to how you wind down at night and everything in between, but you guys, you girls and guys, but mainly you girls, you deserve to enjoy it all. And Dipsy Stories wants you to find joy and confidence in all of your life in and out of the bedroom, okay? So it's it's basically an app full of sexy stories. And now they even have like brand new written stories and they have a full staff. They have a full staff that's fully committed to ideating these stories and picking each word to make sure they don't lose you and that it really keeps you and it draws you in. And I think as women, you know, there's a huge gap for our sexual exploration and for us to feel comfortable being sexual. And the co-founders, Gina and Faye, felt like, you know, th that it was their job to tell the story of female sexuality and sort of fill in the gaps there for us. You know, sex is definitely mental as it is physical. So we all need more than anything. We need something to provide us with some color in our sexual lives. You know, sometimes a vibrator doesn't cut it. Okay. It better not cut you because that's a bad vibrator, but sometimes a, a vibrator is not enough. And that's where Dipsy comes in. So you guys can just close your eyes and let yourself get lost in a world where only good things happen. I, I'm going to ask them if I can do some copy. I really feel like I could get in there and read some Dipsy stories. What do you guys think? But not in a funny way. Like I would really give it my all, you know, I would give it my all, especially for Dipsy because with Dipsy, pleasure is their priority. Okay. Your pleasure is their priority. So when is the last time a guy has said that to you? Hello? Hello?
So you guys get over to Dipsy and explore your fantasies in a safe, shame-free way. That's the most important thing for women. And I, I, I honestly, you guys know, I love men too. I speak for men. I am an advocate for both, for all people. I feel like everyone deserves love and joy. But I'm speaking from a female experience. Women, we've felt too much shame surrounding our sex. So get over there and give it a try. Okay, and for our listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30 day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sharp. That's D-I-P-S-E-A stories dot com slash S-H-A-R-P. And that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A stories dot com slash sharp, S-H-R-P with your girl jesse may so i hope you guys enjoy it let me know try it out i'm trying it out too i'm into it i got <laughs> your girl's into it okay anything and everything to help us feel a full life so let me know send me if you feel comfortable send me stories if you feel comfortable with me sharing them on the podcast email me at jesse may peluso comedy at gmail.com and let me know how you felt about the app. I really want you guys to use it and I want to hear how, how it did you, did it do you good girl? Um, and speaking of being done good, I'm excited about this episode in a non, in a, in a switch to a non-sexual conversation. Um, this guy is somebody who gave me my first shot to be in my first movie and he fucking cut me from the movie. <laughs> I'm going to say that to him. <laughs> Every time I see him, every time I talk to him, I say it to him. It, he made a dream come true, and then he ripped it from my hands. He he broke my fingers in the process. No, he honestly gave me such a really fun experience with him and Peter Billingsley in the opening act, and this guy is um, just so funny, so personable, has always been so generous and kind to me. He is uh, the co-creator and actor from Sullivan and Sons, and he's a stand-up comedian, and he's hilarious, and he's done a bunch of USO tours, and we talked about where comedy takes you in this wild life and the wild ride that we're on. So I hope you enjoy this episode with the one, the only, the hilarious and lovely Mr. Steve Byrne. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie. Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss comedy how hard it is to make it in this biz i'm a fucking professional each week it's something different sometimes i have a guest host sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode sometimes i just ramble about the bullshit i dealt with the week before you never know what you're gonna get it's raw uncut and funny it's me how are you friend doing doing well you know hanging in there hanging in there yeah same old it's nice to see your face yeah it's it's good to like see like people that you miss uh, during all this stuff. Cause I, I moved out of LA, you know, so I, I, I would run into you quite often and now I'm in yeah. Nashville. So I don't get to run into familiar faces that I miss seeing, but it's great to see you. It looks like we're in the same room. <laughs> it does. Yes. Yeah. We have like similar, like um, a hodgepodge of frames and nothing, 
but yours looks yours is actually I, I see the chaplain up there. I is got that, a chaplain. Yeah. Right here. I painted that. You painted that? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god, that's right great. There. I just saw the Robert Downey film a few nights ago because I I'd seen a Buster Keaton documentary and it made me kind of go down this rabbit hole on HBO Max of all the um the classic films that they have on there. That's right. Cool. Robert De Niro played Chaplin. Downey, I Robert, about Downey, that. Robert Downey. Robert Downey. Yeah, Robert yeah. De Niro. That would have been Robert, <laughs> much different. Can you imagine <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> I don't know so many Tommy guns were in that movie. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin was such an interesting character. I always think about like, this is terrible to say, but I think about um, pedophilia comes to mind only because right. his he was with a very, very young girl. Ooh, Rumor yeah, has yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but this was also like the early 1900s. It's so crazy because even like uh, one of my, I don't know why, but I'm sure when you're on the road, you have a film you just put on all the time and you're yep. like, I'll put this on. I'll just pass out. The Aviator, I, I think it's such a beautifully shot film and it's not one of Scorsese's, I, I guess, m most well-received, but I saw about that time period and seeing nostalgic old Hollywood when it was glamorous. But another aspect of it, again, is is like you mentioned, that so many of these men in power were, you know, able to, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe it was just societally accepted to date somebody that was still in high school. It was, uh, I oh. think so. I think so. And it's, it, it obviously as we evolve and mature as mm -hmm. people and a culture, we realize what we've been doing that doesn't work and what we've been doing that is inappropriate. Yeah. But it's also difficult when those things arise to compare it to yesteryear and what happened in yesteryear, because we weren't in yesteryear. It was kind of okay then, even though it's yeah. not okay now, but it being okay then doesn't, it's, it's, it's a weird balance that people have with that. You know, it's like, yeah. I constantly think it's hard to uphold to, yesterday's standards or today's standards to yesterday or today you know it's like all we can deal with is the right now and right but I trying think even to like evolve. even like back then you got to be like if you're a guy in your 30s or 40s and you're successful in hollywood <laughs> and it's like you're picking up your girlfriend from high school it's like what are you guys like what do you because as we get older i have friends that are like now in their 40s and in their 50s and they're like dating a girl like in their 20s and when you're 20 and that's happening. You're like, oh, I guess she's like older guys. But when you're an older guy and that's your friend doing that. Yeah. It's like, what do you like? Obviously, there's like the 30 minutes in the bed. But what, what, like, what do you what do you have in common? Like, what do you talk about? I, I'm yeah, sure what do you talk about? Th there's those few relationships where she or he is an old soul and it's a May, December. And it, and it does work. I, I get it. But I just I don't to me, I always get the heebies. Yeah, like the old soul argument, I know, and I've heard, and I've mm. felt like that myself, but it also feels like, is that just somebody who's who's been possessed by a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you call a 14-year-old an old soul, that's not an old soul, that's a demon possession. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, well, write that down. Write okay, that is down. that fine? I that probably should, that was kind genuinely of genuinely hilarious, yes. <laughs> genuinely hilarious like that girl Catherine mcphee is with that guy that's david like david foster exactly and and i look at it i'm just like what, 
in God's name is going on. I get it. He's established. He's a talented guy and she's a talented, but I'm just like, I don't, you know, it's not for me to judge. They're happy, whatever. It, it, it's fine. But it, it's still like, you gotta, when they leave the room, you're going to be like, what the fuck is going on over there, right? Yeah. Like what do they share cereal at 8 PM? <laughs> Are they yeah. both getting into the fucking fruit loops? <laughs> what is it? Cause old, old men love cereal. I don't know if you've experienced that in your life with like your father or grandparents, but like mm-hmm. there's something about my dad, like yeah. him specifically, he fucking loved a bowl of cereal at like through. 8 what, PM. What, what's his go-to? You're going to be shocked. Is it like You're gonna, this, or something? No, maybe this won't be shocking. It was just shocking to me. Shredded wheat. Oh, why? Nabisco shredded wheat, like the one where it's got the sugar coating. Well, he would sometimes buy the non-sugar coated and the sugar coated and just mix them. He was a chef. He's getting older. He's getting healthier. But the the Nabisco shredded wheat with the sugar on on the sugar coated, I totally get. I totally get. Yes. And when it gets mushy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you drink Friggin the milk and it. you get the shreds. Ah! Of, yeah, forget it. The little chunks? Come on. I'm possessed. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love that we got right into pedophilia. It's just this sort of yeah. thing. You know, whenever I hear Chaplin, I'm like, mm, he was a pedophile. But only in today's standards. I think that that's like, you know. Judging the, by, the, yeah, today's standards. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nowadays it's just. But then like, you know, it's weird. Like Seinfeld got a pass. He was like, yeah, wasn't Jessica Young? Show. No, the the girl he dated, um, I forget <gasps> her name, but the seventeen year old who was in high school he was in high school, and he got a total pass on that. It was just like, oh, I forgot about that. He actually was talking about that on Smartless. Yeah, I don't know if you do. You listen to podcasts? Uh rarely, rarely. Because, yeah, right. You know, so it, it's just like almost like you know when a, when your friend says, "Hey, you want to go see some stand up tonight?" It's like, fuck, no. no. No, bro. That's not, it's do. gonna yeah. be a no for me, dog. Yeah. And I feel the same way. A hard pass. I usually don't. It's a hard pass. Well, yeah. Who's like... who the last comic you saw where you became an audience member? You were not a comic where you just checked out and you're like, oh wow. Wow. Um that's such a good that, is it crazy that I can't recall? I'm trying uh, to think I'll... because tell me yours. I'll tell do you, you have I, one. I, I've come across a handful. Uh, there was a kid named Luca that I that opened for me at the Comedy Vault that I'm going to start going on the road. He's going to come on the road with me a few times. Like he made me, he like reminded me of like a younger version of myself. And I was like, wow, mm. he was energetic. He had good jokes, but you, I was like, oh, at some point he's going to turn a corner and and be great. And then I I was at Zany's the other night in Nashville and I saw Aaron Aaron Weber. And just like took it like just really great voice, very, very energetic, but still. And then so this guy, Mike Goodwin, who's uh, another great comic and, and yeah. John Christ, like in I see him all the time in Nashville. He's a really popular Christian comic, like millions of followers. Again, I'm, you know, coming from. Yes, LA, I've like heard of him. New York. I, I didn't know anything about the Christian comedy scene. Now being in the South, I'm like, oh, I guess this guy's pretty big. And then and then you see him and just like, wow, this, this, like. Yeah, I, I I totally get it. I mean, very very talented, and just effortless on stage, and you understand why he commands so much gravity. But uh, those are just names that come to my mind, where I was like, oh my god. But then I was in New York City a few weeks ago, and I watched Jessica Kirsten, and oh, I could just gosh. check out. She's fun. 
Jess is fun. Jess is like, that's a good one. I haven't seen her in a while because I haven't been in New York. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, she's somebody who I love. I actually genuinely watch on and social media. You know, I yeah. look at her stuff and she's just, it's someone where you love to see someone like that succeed and get yeah. attention and appreciation because she's just so you're right she's just so fun to watch she loved you can tell she's just in her fucking element up there yeah yeah, yeah and, and she and, uh oh sorry go ahead sorry. no no go ahead I, I think what's so funny is the the dichotomy of like having such a sweet maternal voice off stage and so <laughs> kind and then she's on stage shitting on her hair and her body and just dumping on herself so it's like no matter how harsh she goes on somebody what I love about her, I think it's true of anybody that does crowd work that's really good at it, is that she turns it on herself more. She'll insult herself more than anybody in the audience. And, that's and she so balances it out. Yes, yes. She, does a she good really balance. does. She. Yeah. That's how she can maneuver through trash talking without a lot of... A, a, better term the audience you know she she fucks with the audience but she's mm -hmm. it's it's a communal exchange you know not oh, in yeah, the sense yeah, yeah. that the audience is talking back to her but she's you know balancing it out with the deprecating thing and she also was the first comedian when i watched i realized because i'm also very physical and mm -hmm. you know you've been you've been in the industry and, and you have friends that run the spectrum of comedy from your standard joke delivery to sure. you know a performative approach but you also know i would assume that there's can be a stigma to being a physical comedian you know oh, sure yeah it's yeah i mean like, look, like you 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 if you transcribe it's so funny because like knowing sebastian off stage it's like he's so grounded and then you see him on stage and so physical i think if you again he's one of those guys if you transcribed his material they go well I, I don't understand like i'm reading this material how is this funny and then flash forward Madison Square Garden, you're like, oh my God. Like yeah. he's he's the epitome to me of a of a performer. I think Bert Kreischer is like an entertainer. And yeah. then somebody like Jeff Ross or Dave Attell is a is a comic. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think there's there's different muscles, right? Yeah, there are different muscles. And for me, she was the first one that made me feel comfortable in my performative skin being that you know, energetic and physical aspect was what I enjoyed and what I was natural at and what I felt I was ashamed of because, you know, I wasn't a Seinfeld or I wasn't, you know, an Anthony sure, Jeselnik yeah. where, you know, everything, every word matters. So it's interesting when you start to see people that sort of validate how you perform and who was that for you? Like who, who uh, was you. the comic? You. <laughs> When I saw you, just this wrecking ball, and she's like, oh, my God, what is this? Hello. Um, no, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with, you know, performing the joke or exhibiting the joke. And that's why, like, when I'd run into you at the improv, I always enjoyed watching you because I like somebody who's a little more physical. I like somebody who's, I, I don't know. Look, look, I, I, I appreciate across the gamut. I, I appreciate everybody. But for me, if I was to go to a comedy club and kick my feet up, I would, I don't know. I personally have always gravitated towards somebody that's a little more physical. And yeah. even you look at somebody like Brian Regan, who is the perfect <laughs> combination of written joke and great performer as well. So, you know, He's there's hysterical. Oh my God. And one of the like 
nicest guys off stage and I've run into them the last few years getting to know them a lot better. And, you know, I, I like to pride myself on kicking a few back with the whiskey, but this guy, <laughs> I mean, it takes it to a whole nother level. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel like a minor leaguer again. This guy's why can he drink? Oh yes. Wow. Yes. And, and I have just... one drink now and I'm like, Oh really? Well, yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're I'm a weed smoker. Other, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I give, I have blunts. Like it's, it's nothing. Right. Yeah. yeah. I used to be a big drinker, but LA has, you know, it's grown on me. Literally it's grown weed on me. <laughs> that's right. That's... Yeah. But that, that's your, but do you like, like, is that something where like, if you could uh, on stage, you could just roll one up and, 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 you know, because comics, we can drink on stage, right? Yeah. But you, you've never seen a comic really, you know, be able to just kind of puff away. I fucking dream of the day. And there's been so many times where I'm like, what are they going to do? Yeah, I would think at some point with it being Like, legal, what are they going to do? Is there like what? a law like in L.A. where you can't do it on stage? Because it's legal I'm now. Sh- but- well, I'm sure it's the sort of thing where it hasn't happened enough for them to create the law. Right, yeah. Where yeah. I, you know, wouldn't that be so cool if I was the one and and they had to create the law and they called it like Jesse May marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> that was stupid. Well, Doug Benson would be very, very uh, jealous. He'd want to. Oh, he'd be so jealous. He would be so so jelly. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I have dreamed about it. You know, just like sparking up on stage. But it's it's like the Chappelle thing. He's not. I'm not comparing myself to Chappelle, but in this moment, he smokes cigarettes all the time. Yeah. I oh, remember that, what like, he did on SNL, the monologue. I was like, wow, they let him do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like similar to like Snoop Dogg. He won't roll oh, yeah. unless he can roll. He right. doesn't show up to a gig. He's not coming through unless he can have a blunt or something. And I, right. I saw that on, I did the the really critically acclaimed VH1 show, Hip Hop Squares. Thank you. <laughs> Please hold your applause. I was the white square. <laughs> you were the diversity casting. <laughs> We got to get one white person. All right. They called me back. I was on that show like a dozen times. I was like, am I your white friend? (laughs) (laughs) Is this what it feels like? This is what it feels like. And then you're there. And And you became the go to. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But it was cool to see Snoop there and, and, he you know that's where i learned i was like wow it's so cool snoop dogg showing up to this and they were like yeah he this is the one gig he does you know besides all the other things he does because he just shows up and smokes weed and if he can't do that he won't show up and i was like i like that style i really like that style but um, there's like the smoking section then there's the smoking smoking section exactly exactly and it was so funny like did you get to smoke with snoop when you're working on vh1 I kind of inadvertently did, yeah. you know, only because we were all on set and the green room was, it was green. It was yeah. the green it should be. Um, but we weren't like passing joints to each other, but we, you know, right. I hugged him and I was like, I, you, you're, cool. you're just amazing. And yeah, he was like, Oh, shawty. You know, he's just, <laughs> he's just like, he's just so sweet and soft-spoken and yeah, present, you know? Um, but he um no we didn't actually get to to share a joint but it was like this i've had these moments i wonder what one is for you where you do jobs and you just think wow this is pretty fucking cool i had one with you and i had one on the set of vh1 where i come out of my green room that that i was hot boxing mm-hmm. with um 
Eva Marcel, the that model who's so dope. She's so fun and amazing. And I yeah. come out of the green room and I look to my left and Dr. Dre, or I'm sorry, Ice Cube, not Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, because his son, O'Shea Jackson, oh, yeah. was on the show. Oh, wow. Ice Cube's just puffing in his green room. And I was just like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fuck. Is it, what is, is it Friday? <laughs> my life has turned into a friday episode he was like what's up and i'm like can i take a picture with you have you had those moments where you kind of you know even though you're in the mix mm-hmm. you kind of not starstruck but you're just in a moment of awe like this is really cool this career brought me to this place and here's this person oh, yeah. that i enjoy there's like so you've many. Had a lot of those moments countless like countless experiences and I, you know i was talking to billy gardell the other day uh who's oh, on Mike and Molly and all that so stuff like, nice the nicest and he was he posted this picture of him with uh Springsteen backstage that I'd seen and I was like man that's so cool you you met the boss you know I I was born in Freehold and you know it's where he's from and born to runs about there and you know he's a big Springsteen fan he was like comedy comedy got me backstage and, yeah. and we had this conversation about like where comedy's taken us like you know, it's not just like the people you meet, but like going on USO tours and being in war zones in Afghanistan, Iraq, and, you know, going to Beijing and, you know, like going to the very base my parents met at in Seoul City, South Korea. And like, wow, I just got fucking chills. It, it was wild. Yeah, it was it was really like, oh, my God, this is really cool. And when did you do a USO tour? Well, my brother, my, my, my father, my uncles, my brother, they all served. And I was the only one that never served. So in 2004, my brother and I were in New York City on 9-11. So being there at that time, like everybody had this patriotic gumption of like, oh, I should, I should sign up. My brother actually did. And he signed up. And within a year, he was in South Korea, much like my father, instead of going to Iraq. And then 2003, he got stationed over in Iraq. And when that happened, Colin Quinn was going on a USO tour and knew my brother was over there. And so I said, oh, my God, could I please go and maybe I'll get to see my brother? He said, of course, because this was at a moment in time where on a daily basis, CBS or NBC, NBC would show like the the soldiers that had passed serving our country. And, you know, the Internet isn't what the Internet is today. Right. And cell phones aren't what cell phones were in 2004. So, so it was still there, but, but like, I didn't have the correspondence with him uh, Mm. that anybody would want. So you're just praying to God every day for like a year and a half that he's okay. And so I got to go over and it was such a, an incredible experience going over, seeing men and women in Ford operating bases, which means they're out to establish territory in certain areas um, for people that don't know. And, And they're literally living in tents and makeshift like, burners to get a hot meal and not showering for days uh, to set up these encampments while supplies slowly come in. And when you're choppered into these things, you're just like, oh my God, I, you're like, I'll never complain about anything ever again. And I think even when we stand at, a, at an arena or a stadium for the soldiers that serve, I think when you're there, you're, you're realizing, oh, these are people that are missing out on Christmas first kisses, first steps for a baby, birthdays, not seeing a loved one go on. So you realize it's not just the fact that they're there, but all the sacrifices that come along from the human element. And so I got to know quite a few individuals over the course of that first one. And so I just was so enamored with it. I, 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 
I did like 10 since then. And we Holy. were about to do another one on, on uh, before COVID and then COVID hit. And for two years, I haven't been able to go over, but they're, they're the best. Experience. Was it Kuwait? I've been to were Kuwait. Were you going to go to Kuwait? Because I was going to do one right before quarantine too. That would be so fun to go with you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd love it. That would I, be I, a I'll, blast. I'll reach out. I'll, I'll let them know because I'd love to do it with you. It'd be so fun. and That would be uh, fun because it's like I, I did, what was it, 2018? I went for a Christmas one. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. What was your experience uh, like? It was the it was the first year it was the first holiday season without my dad. My dad had passed two months prior, mm-hmm. and I had read about grief and going through it. And one of the suggestions was to change your routine and change your traditions and create new traditions as sure. a healthy way to sort of cope with the loss. And so I thought, well, the holidays are always big for us, and since he's not around, maybe I need to take myself out of the element where he normally would be and put right. myself in some place else where I'm serving and feeling like I'm contributing. So I'm not focusing on what I've lost. I'm experiencing people who have lost so much more and maybe mm-hmm. I can be endeared to that or maybe be humbled by it or whatever. And, you know, it was that, you know, the, the Jennifer Valcast, who is one of the um, girls who coordinates this, mm-hmm. she said, I'm going to say something to you. It sounds big and it sounds cheesy, but it's going to change your life. Yeah. And, and you know, you've done 10 of them. I've only done, I think, two or three. And each time you're meeting and discovering people and hearing their stories and seeing things that you've never seen or experienced or heard. Yeah. And each time for me, especially that trip, it made me realize all the things that I have and worry about that don't matter. Yeah. And all the strife and struggle I think I go through and watching these young men and women go through tenfold before 9am. Mm-hmm. And it really sort of readjusted my complaint list. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, it's like what you said. You, you don't want to complain about things after you're seeing these, you know, these men and women just just deal with it. And that's their job. Yeah, they sign up for it. But at the same time, it's, it is for a cause. It is for a purpose. But I agree, it does. It does change your life. I, I remember the second one I did again, this is like the height of everything. I went with Drew Carey and Jimmy Schubert and uh, a few other wow. great, great comics. It was, it was what a show, a, a, a total, total like roller coaster of emotions, but I'll never forget power, power hitters. Oh yeah. It, it was a fun one. It was like, you know, you had to keep your own on that tour, but yeah, we, we went to this makeshift tent. There's maybe a hundred soldiers out there. And I just finished my set. I was going to get some water. And this young soldier, maybe 22, 23, came over. He's like, man, thank you. Thank you so much. I was like, oh, yeah, please. Thank you. Thank you. It's, we're always weird when they're thanking you. It's like, thank you for yeah, your Yeah, you're like, what? I can do this because you're, your boot's on the ground. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he was just kind of like, you know, thank you. And just he looked dizzy. I go, are you okay? He goes, he goes, this is just the craziest thing. I go, why? He goes, well, we had uh, a company that was pinned down. We had to go. I just came back from a firefight. I think we might have lost somebody. I don't know. We brought some people back. Uh, one or two is wounded, but, but we got them back here. And as soon as I come in here, I hear people laughing. And I walk over and I see Drew Carey. And then... I'm watching you and I'm watching this guy now. And he's like, 
it's just surreal. Like, and he was processing like all of it, but he's like, he, he was basically saying that it was a, it was a good distraction for him given what he experienced, I think maybe like an hour or two hours ago. And again, it's one of those things where you're just like, my God, like that's fucking crazy. Like you're telling jokes again, like to go back to like where comedy brings you or who you meet or the experiences you have. Like that's an experience in comedy I'll never have again, where there's somebody like with a gun shooting, trying to rescue his compatriots. And then you're in a tent and you're watching Jimmy Schubert <laughs> you know, talk about chicken and eggs. It's like, what the it's like being fuck? on the back lot of Sony. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Going through all the shows. Yeah, like, what the fuck is going on here? The poor kid. But it was one of those things that always stuck with me. It, I have such an embarrassing story to tell. Yes, please. Let me get my and knife I, and fork. Yes, please. <laughs> this is going to be a big old bite of embarrassment yeah. for you. Not for you, but about me for you to enjoy. Very excited. Um, so, you know, I try to educate myself as much as I can on new scenarios and situations and sort of, especially with the USO, knowing what the limits and the boundaries are, especially as somebody who's, you know, Stand up doesn't really have a lot of boundaries. I mean, obviously, most of us don't because that's right. kind of the the name of the game. But you know, uh, I'm not the cleanest comic, as they say. And I, the tour we were on, we were with the Joint Chief of Staff. We were we were oh. with General Dunford. Oh. <laughs> I like where this is going. Okay, <laughs> I'm enjoying this already. Who is like one of you know? He's basically the main man in the military. Yeah. And this was this was his retirement tour. And, um, it was, it was a stacked tour. It was myself. This is great. This is going to be Sorry, so great. bad. This, this, is... This, set, this is the mark of a great comic. You're setting it up. You're setting it up. You're, you're leaning in the coil and I can't wait to spring the trap. So yes, this is a retirement. What's going to happen now? Who so, you know, I have in the back of my mind every time I go on stage to work at the height of your intelligence, you yeah. know? But for someone who whose comedy is playful, those that that it's constantly a fluctuating yeah. scale. And so I'm it's Sean White, it's Wil, Wil, Wilmer Valderrama, it's Milo Ventimiglia, who came as Wilmer's friend. It's um Matthew Frost, who's literally the strongest man in the world. Right. Um and uh Jay Days, who was a DJ out of New York, and it was just like a packed group wow. of people. We it's all crazy. bonded, you yeah. know. You've, I'm sure you've experienced that as well, because you're in such unique experiences, and you all just kind of become a pact. We still have like sure. a chat thread where we message each other. Oh, that's awesome! Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But so we get dropped in. Uh, we were in Iraq. I forget the base. It was a uh, actually it was Baghdad. We were in Baghdad. Oh, nice. And. Um, we were in the city and literally bombs are going off on the perimeter of where we are. And so, you know, I don't know if you've experienced, but you get the, you get the badges off of their uniforms, you get tokens, you get, you know, the, the The military commander coins. Um, you're getting pins and all these like decals and items that matter mean something to the soldiers or to the the um the commanders and all that so things are just coming at you all the time and you're also yeah. trying to process i'm in 
freaking Baghdad. Warzone, uh, yeah. Warzone. I'm smelling new smells. I'm in. Uh, we were in. <laughs> we were in a freaking help me out. The vest, the bulletproof vest. Oh, the bulletproof vest. Yeah, Kevlar <laughs> armor. Yeah. As someone who always considers her uniform before she goes on stage, yeah, this was you know a totally unique experience. Where I'm like, well, I'm wearing 50 pounds of. <laughs> Those things are not light. Yeah, that's right. They're not light. They're no. Yeah, and you're very conscious of it. So there's all these things that are changing, and someone hands me a mini flag, a folded flag. Right. Now we all know what that means. Sure. Now, when somebody gets a folded flag. There's a fallen soldier. Yeah. And I I knew that. And I knew that before. And Ooh, I let me take a deep breath. Yep. I'm getting ready for this. Yep. Here we go. Here we go. I feel like the way to grow is to put yourself on the line and take accountability. So this is yep. me taking accountability. And no, this wasn't televised. There's no reason for me to take accountability other to highlight the fact that we all fuck up. Um, and to remind myself to function at a higher state. Uh, which is hilarious because that's usually where what the state I'm in. I got this little mini folded flag right. and it just was handed to me before I went on stage and I made some joke. I was like, well, I got dropped in Baghdad and I. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh, oh no. I got you dropped in Baghdad and I needed a tampon and all it gave me was this little flag. I panicked. I panicked, Steve, and I, I went deep, deep, deep oh my down. God. I went down to the barrel of my intelligence. There's no intelligence in that barrel. It was pure desperation oh and salaciousness. My God. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I just and they went blue. the flag to half mass during your sex. <laughs> Oh my God! They're like what a did, soldier's what? not the only one who died. <laughs> oh my God! And I didn't even know what I had done until I got off stage, and I just was sitting looking at this flag, did and it I was just quiet? like, Where, "Was it well, like?" Well, it was quiet, but you know, they're so they're so receptive still supportive and supportive. Yeah, yeah, they're still supportive. Yeah, it was quiet, and I knew I was like, "Oh, that, that I think I did something." <laughs> you, you fucking did something. <laughs> I did something and it hurt so bad. I was like, oh, I don't want that feeling again. And I'm just sitting alone in the green room and I'm just kind of like looking at this thing going over what I said. You ever have those moments in life where your recollection is just this? It's just a slow, slow fucking yeah. burn. It's burn in the hard drive. Have you used slow burn for a title of something? I haven't yet. I, I I shall slow burn. That's pretty much my career. It could be your midlife crisis TV show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> a slow burn. <laughs> well, I felt that in the fucking green room. And please tell me you've had those moments in your career where. Oh yeah. What can you think of anything that sort of <laughs> can make where me feel better about myself? Everything leaves you. <laughs> By the way, what what happened? What happened? What did he say? What did he um, did he comment or or was Dunford, it secondhand? It was, was secondhand. It secondhand said? And, and you know, I was I think I was it was I think it might have been Wilmer who was like, you know what that flag means, right? And I was like, I, I kind of thought about it in the green room. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, there's so much going on. I was. <laughs> and then it's and, like, 
guys, there's the time change. I'm just like, uh, I, I haven't eaten I, in a day. Yeah, I. We were in Poland oh yesterday. We're in Baghdad today. Oh you know, my god! We did like thirteen. I think we did thirteen. I'm trying to think of how many freaking stops we made in like set. It was like eight days or ten days. We it was. Oh my god! It, it, the the schedule was packed because there were days where we had two shows in in different countries. It was, it was obscene. Uh, you're, you're you're literally on fumes on those things because you're halfway around the world, and when you're when you should be sleeping, you're awake on stage performing. Yes. And by the time you your your body clock gets acclimated to whatever time zone you're supposed to be in, then you come back home and now you got to reset for another week too. It, it, it's a brutal, brutal thing. But again, it's like one of those things where it's like, can I really complain about sleep when right? You know, seal team six is right over here and you know it's just like god <laughs> they haven't slept in a week and they're wearing undercover beards because they're infiltrating <laughs> you know a militia a rebel militia it's it really is but i'll tell you like you crazy in the middle East too. like yourself it's it's got to be something totally different a totally different experience because when you're with people from the region they truly like over there, I believe it's so archaic in terms of of how they treat women, yeah. especially in those pockets. I, I, there were times where the the female comics we were with or whatever. I mean, these men were just staring at them like like they hadn't eaten for for months or something. It was disgusting, and I felt I felt so uncomfortable for them. So I, I don't know. On one hand, you know, you're glad to be on these things, but. But it, it does open your experience to the world and understanding how how great we have it over here and the advances we make, it, you know, even to the beginning of the conversation, it's like, oh, my God. I mean, over there, it's like not backwards. Yeah, it's like they're still functioning in a, in a time that we've already been through and have learned and evolved from. It is strange. It's so wild how that happens. And, you know, we had such a huge security detail. Oh, my God. We landed in Poland and we were with the representative of um, the, it was the Polish embassy, the head of the Polish embassy. Wow. And she was like the English um, liaison. Mm-hmm. And she, she got out of her car and she looked like Cruella DeVille's happy sister. <laughs> like she looked like Cruella DeVille's like more evolved, not killing puppies <laughs> sister. She, right. she had like this bright red hair and this like, Givenchy jacket. I'm like, where did we land? Are we in a Wes Anderson film? What right. is going on? Is this a, is this really the a real person? Yeah. Am I on a, are we in a show? Right. And yeah. She, she had this security detail around her and I have a thing for European, Eastern European men, especially big, big ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're all on the bus hanging this is, out. This and is why we bond because coach <laughs> sister preach (laughs) yeah and there's some girls you know like all the guys brought their girlfriends and you know so there's couples but there's women there there's a lot of women on this group in this group and we're watching the security detail and there just was this one tall drink of polish kielbasa flavored water that sounds disgusting by the way i know it sounds disgusting but once you get it in there okay once you take a swig Okay. You, gotcha, you gotcha. finish the glass. You finish the glass. I, bu- I you do get you. some. I, I will believe you. I will leave it at that. I, I don't want to daydream. I don't even want to think about things like that. But, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm here for you. 
Thank yes. you. Thank you for the yes. moral support. Yes. I was there. I had brought my boyfriend who I was dating at the time with me. And in that moment, I just kind of regretted it just a little bit because of this big man. And I was sitting on the window, clo- uh, the seat closest to the window. And I saw him and I just yeah. was like, oh, my God. And I kind of like looked around to, <laughs> for someone to support me. Right. And Kelly Pickler was there, too. Kelly yeah. Pickler was on tour. And I turn around and she goes. <laughs> all the girls and really? like all of us were just like <laughs> oh wow okay and he kept eyeballing me and i was really? like damn it man <laughs> i gotta be faithful i'm over here right. in poland with my got my freaking boyfriend with like, fuck you love oh. do you think it, so it's kind of like an eyes wide shut kind of thing huh with Ooh, uh, you're still yeah. talking about him today so you yeah, right. Kidman, talk about the, the naval <laughs> officer. I am. I'll never yeah. forget him because there's this one moment where he we, we had sort of ended our tour. I think we ended it in Poland. Yeah, we started in Norway. We ended in Poland and we had like a wrap up party mm-hmm. and everybody was there. There were, you know, just the Joint Chiefs of Staff is in his wife and his whole group and everybody and and I had gone upstairs to get something out of my hotel room and he was there. It was two because the, the Polish ambassador, her door was there and he, they were each on either side. And I just walked right. by and we just locked eyes. And I was like, this is like such a fucking perfect scenario. We're in Poland. You're a security guy. There's a hotel room and my boyfriend's in it. <laughs> and how, how soon after did you break up with the boyfriend? Oh, you know, we actually broke up in quarantine, so he la- he hung on for a little uh, bit. Yeah, but if he was not there, Poland. I'd probably be in Poland. <laughs> tour. Here we go. It, it is interesting because the, it, when you're talking about that, it reminded me of um, I, I've been going down the Citizen Kane rabbit hole recently, and really, he just every, trying to learn everything I can about it. And there's this great moment where the reporter goes and talks to his um his financier trying to define what Rosebud was. What is Rosebud? Could Rosebud Mm. have been a woman? And the reporter's like, I don't think Rosebud could have been a woman. And he's talking to the financier and the financier, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was basically saying, he's like, he he was recollecting the story of he saw a woman in a white dress on a ferry. It didn't last more than five seconds, but there hasn't been a moment over the course of a day where he hadn't stopped thinking about that individual. Mm. And it, it's just one of those relatable lines in a film that stays with you. It's like, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So I yeah. Think those like little moments. Cool. Yeah. Those like real life meet cutes that don't evolve into anything where you just, I, I even had a moment like in New York city when I was living in New York and I was, I got on the train, took it a few stops and there was this guy on sitting on the train across on the other side. And we just kept locking eyes and just kept locking eyes. And I, contemplated going over and saying something to him i was like that's weird just all the things you ruminate in your mind as to why you shouldn't why you should so i opted to not and my stop came up and i walked i got up early so he would know i'm leaving just in case and i'm like walking over to the door and i exit and i'm like oh he's not gonna get off and i go on the stair and i turn back and he had run up to the window no he had run up to the window and just went like this and i was like oh no 
That's... never saw him again and he was such a beautiful man it was like such a cool weird moment memory, you know though. yeah to have yeah definitely uh, but i do want to follow back follow up on like moments where you've been on stage or even just in life where you've had such a you know one of these moments with the flag where you say something or do something that you just oh want to erase from your memory i mean bank. where to begin i, I i've had countless <laughs> Countless. What about on stage? How about on stage? Like maybe a show or even in the green room, in the hallway, at the club, only because we, you know, that's our mutual world. And yeah, I mean, I, I there was, there was a scene I put in the opening act that film I did that, that you graciously were a part of. Um, but uh, there Made was a dream a, come true. There, <laughs> there was a, you did. a part in it where um, Jimmy's doing crowd work and he's so inexperienced. He says, so how are you ladies doing? And they pipe up and, you know, where, where's dad? And it's like, oh, he's not with us. It's like, no, seriously, where's dad? It's like, he's dead. It's like, that's one of those things where it could kill the vibe in a room instantly. And I've had that happen at least like two or three times to me where you think you're going to learn from it. But the third time it happens, you're like, you got to stop doing that. Like, you got to stop <laughs> asking that question. Why the fuck would you ask that? It's the, the dumbest thing you could do. And then you come up with more creative ways to mold the clay and get to where you want to get to. But yeah, for sure. I've had countless situations. I think, I think the toughest thing, especially early on when you're a comic, and I'm sure you know this, is that sometimes the, co the comic will engage in the audience. The audience will say something that strikes a chord or a nerve and it gets to mm -hmm. you. And the, the two or three times that happened to me, it was always racial. Somebody would say something to me that was racial and I took it to a degree where I wasn't a comic anymore. I was, mm. I was a guy on stage that was affected by that. And, and whatever they said, it worked. And so I got into a fistfight at the comedy store over it. I got a, what? a scar in the back of my head here from the comic strip live when somebody hurtled a, a bar stool at me and it split my head open. And I got eight staples in the back. So like those... <laughs> experiences are so horrific at the time but even when the cops came to me and wanted said do you want to press charges against that guy i said no they said why would you not press charges i go you know in my moral compass and principled state i said no it's my lesson to learn i've got to be better than that situation and so yeah it sucks to get gashed it sucks to get in a fist fight it sucks to let yourself go and, and go fuck it but it's all part of the learning curve over 20 plus years of doing this to go, you're in control. Mm -hmm. And now you're in a situation where you've got to pull the strings in this room, keep your cool, yes. defuse the bomb, cut the blue wire, and keep everybody laughing. And at the same time, that person that just insulted you, the challenge is now, can I make that asshole laugh? Yes. So instead of giving in to the inhibitions and going, I want to fucking destroy this guy and, and blast him in the fucking face you got to go no but that's not the job the job is to be a comic the job is to be better than any situation given to you no matter what it is and it's like we were talking about earlier the muscles of stand-up comedy another muscle is the element of surprise and being able to roll with it and keeping your cool because we've all seen this you've seen people lose their cool and the minute they do you lose the room you and lose it the room is the worst thing that can happen to a comic it's so hard to get it back. Oh, brutal. You're an animal trainer and the bear is hungry and you've got no snacks. <laughs> I always think it's like farting on the first date. The date's over. 
Well, You're that's how I that's how I introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the daughter of a flatulent man. <laughs> <laughs> The apple does not fall far. <laughs> it doesn't fall. It does, the apple doesn't fall fart from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. You can't it's great laugh though. At it's that. great. You can't turn it off. <laughs> it's awesome. Wait, I do want to talk about you making one of my dreams come true. Uh, about casting me in the opening act. Even though my scene got cut, which is normal. Those things happen. It happens, yes. And I am sending... Um, I am sending a uh, murderer to your house okay. uh, unless unless you find the file, and that's what this is all about. Yes, um, we're gonna need it. that. We're gonna need that that file. Uh, no, I know where the file <laughs> is somewhere. It's on a hard drive. I know where the office is, so I, I do know the scene exists. Yes, yes, the scene exists somewhere, which is it warms my heart. Mm -hmm. um, the opening act, which is a autobiographical story yeah. of your life. Obviously, we t you, you probably took some, uh, you know. You took some liberties and exaggerated oh, sure, yeah. some. Yeah, I mean, but once you... Jimmy hits the road in the film, it's all everything that happened from him going on the road to the end. It, that's all based off of everything that's ever happened to me. And you know, as much as they're my stories, you have a story just like that one, or a story just like that after the bar, or a story just like that on the radio. Like these are all relatable things for comics, especially and and the comedy fans. So, and I appreciate you doing it. And yeah, like you said, it's. What sucks is the casualty of cutting your friends out or cutting scenes you love or jokes you love. I mean, there was Angela Johnson came in and spent a day and did this one thing and it was a stunt and she did the stunt and she did all this stuff and it was this great buildup. But again, there's just things you got to just slim it down to keep the 90 minutes. And what sucks is that story is paramount, even though this bit in the film isn't as entertaining, it's not as funny. It is a cog to the engine that keeps the story driving forward. So yep. it, it it's does... just, it's just one of the, you know, it's one of the casualties of the creative process of making a film. And for you, you've done so many different projects. You've done TV film and you've been in a standup for so long, but this film, was it, how was it different for you? How was it difficult? And, and was there anything in the process of making it and it coming to fruition that, um, you would have done differently or maybe you, you, a lesson you learned? I think had I, you know, it's weird answering that question now because when it, when it all happened, it happened so quick. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'd written it, I'd given it to my friend Vince Vaughn and he read it and liked it pretty quickly. And we recalibrated a lot of elements of the story uh, to just tighten it up and funding happened very quick. And then the decision was, do you want to, do you want to be in it? And I said, well, I'm too, I'm too young to be like an established headliner. I don't aesthetically look like a grizzled veteran. And I'm too old to be like a fresh-faced, doe-eyed young comic. And I'm I feel like I'm too old to be like the playboy kind of guy. Right. Uh, that's the feature act. So I was like, look, I'm just happy it's being made. So I went ahead and directed it. And, you know, like I, I'm still very, very glad I got to have the experience beyond. It's one of the best experiences of my life. But I do think that when you do these things, you do them to enhance your career and help your career out. And a part of me does regret the fact that I probably should have been in it to some capacity in one of the roles. Yeah. But, but it came out. And look, at the end of the day, I got to make something with my best friends. And then I got to make something with a lot of people that I respect 
and appreciate. And you're somebody I always enjoyed watching when I'd sit in the back of the improv and run into you. And I was just like, I, I just like your presence. I like you on stage. I think you're funny. And that's why, you know, everybody that's in it, you know, even like Angela Johnson, for example, just like is somebody I, I, I really respect her, her standup. And I love her. You know, if I had the opportunity to do something like this, I want to include people that I appreciate and know years from now when I'm in my deathbed, I can look back and go, oh, my God, I can't believe I got this moment in time with all these talented people and got to make something pretty cool. So it was. It was yeah. It was fun. Yeah. That's the one thing like um, that always stood out to me about you was and similarly, I felt this with the person I met only once with Bob Saget. And I'm talking about the vibe. Bob Saget was pure love. And you have the same energy where your ego, I've never come across like an inflated ego with you. You're so present and available and vulnerable. And you just have a really great energy about you, which is really not common. And not just in our industry, in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I... I (laughs) <laughs> I do agree with you on our industry for sure. It is absolutely not the norm. And I've had countless conversations with, with folks where <laughs> they say, wow, you seem pretty, pretty like mentally healthy. Like, yeah. Where do you lose your shit? And- <laughs> where, where's your wife? Let me talk well, to your wife and children. I have a lot of Nazi memorabilia. I'd like to show you in this closet. Over, um, no, it just, I think I, I had a great upbringing, but I always appreciated comedy. I think I've always gravitated to people that um, I feel like yourself, like like when I'm watching you on stage, when I'm watching Jessica Kirsten on stage, when I'm watching, you know, the people I really respect on stage, it's like people that are still coming from a fun, positive place. Mm. Um, so again, like, you know, performance wise, when you're performing, like that's where I gravitate more towards. I don't... Uh, I respect certain comics for sure, but I don't, if I'm going to spend my time watching somebody, I'm going to spend time watching you, Kirsten, you know, Bert, uh, people that are just fun, like a good vibe. Somebody that you'd want to hang and have beer with. That's why, you know, there's some comics just like, I get it. It's funny, but uh, I can't. I I don't want to, I don't know you. I feel that way. Like sometimes you watch comedians, you're like, you've done a 20 minute set. I don't know who you are. I want to know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a difference and, too. When we, as we get older, you want, you, I, I, even like Gaffigan, I mean, he's talking about food, but you still know who he is. It's like, oh, yes. he's just kind of like a lazy, like <laughs> a really lazy guy that enjoys eating like an eighth grader. It's like, I get <laughs> With it. a little bit, like a little tinge of anger. He's got just a peppering of this underlying just enough, anger, yeah. just enough anger that yeah. really, and I always loved his self-talk, like that sort of, Gaffigan-ism yeah. of what's he doing? What's he gonna do next? Like, <laughs> yeah. and Kirsten has an element of that too in a different way, which mm-hmm. really came out in the movie with De Niro, not oh, Downey yeah, yeah, Jr. Yeah. Um, where you know, because she was like a comedy coach for De Niro on that film, yeah, and he sort of adapted that self-talk, turn around to the wall energy that that she does, which I thought I was like, oh, that's so cool to see that 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 made its Play, way I to like the that, film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing that was so cool on your film, the opening act, I we did a scene. My scene was in uh, Build-A-Bear. Build-A-Bear, yeah. Right. Did, we, did you use that name? Did you get to, li- did you license yeah, that? Yeah, they actually were pretty cool about it, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like, create a cat. I don't know if you had to like make your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the, 
the shitty Zares version of like the Zare Jordans instead of yeah yeah Zares Jordans. They're out of Dubai. They're hot. They're the hottest thing. Um, it was such a cool experience. You know, like there's so there's very you know we only get firsts for one time and that was like one of the first for me like a big production you know as far as like being in films i've been in other smaller uh situations but and you had you know jimmy o yang who's just so he's so adorable and so talented did i say his name correctly would be terrible if i did okay and um debbie ryan debbie ryan yeah who has had such an amazing career and is so funny she's so funny funny um uh, you know me being the cashier in that scene and the coolest part for me besides like having you know seeing you direct and you being there and feeling so supported and being around these talented people and it was so well organized and it just was super professional um was your your co-producer oh billingsley yeah peter billingsley oh my yeah God, like when I tell you, I checked like four boxes that day. Yeah, of like just bucket list yeah. things, you know, because I grew up on like Christmas one of the story, most yeah. iconic Christmas movies ever. Well, you'll be happy it, to know he he's he's shooting a, a sequel to that right now. They're doing. I a heard. Sequel. Yeah. I heard buzz, and I wasn't sure. But looking at him, he looks exactly the same, exactly just with same, some yeah. grays. And I, I had to, when I tell you, I had to fight the urge to tell him he was going to shoot his eye out because I know everyone <laughs> says that. Yeah, I know everyone says that mm-hmm. or, you know, any other of the most quotable that you can think of from that yeah. movie. It was like the anchorman of its time, really, when it came to the quotes you could you could muster up from it. But it was just such a cool thing. And, and I, I'm like eternally grateful for it, you know, that I got to experience that and, and be in a moment where I felt supported and, and, and meet an icon and, you know, somebody who, you know, you and I, we, we are not the closest people, but we know each other. Sure, yeah, and you're a person who in the scene, I, you know, around town in the comedy scene, I would enjoy seeing you and saying hello to you, but of course, you know, I just, I don't know if I have, but I wanted to thank you for that opportunity and, and you trusting in me and having me be a part of a project that I know was important to you. And and obviously you had options and I was just, I'm so fortunate that you, you put your money on me. Oh, please look, it, it goes. And you still ways. owe me money. Yeah. yeah I didn't I, get the I do owe you money. I do owe you residuals. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say it goes both ways because as much as like, you know, you could say thank you. Believe me, the, the gratitude is on me because the gratitude is extended for you taking the time out of your day to come in for even just a scene, just one day. And I know there's some people that have the credits you do or even less credits that would say, well, I want more than a day or I want X, Y, Z. There, there's all these demands. And that was another thing I was exposed to in terms of like agents demanding things from people that I knew my friends were not asking for. And sometimes there were uh, a, a few times where I, I, I got some requests from friends of mine where I'm like, you know, oh, you just got to put the so phone hard. down and go, Oh my God, are you, are you kidding me? And then I got to go back and go, okay, let me explain the situation to you, you know, but, but again, you were, that's super the real cool. element of this industry. That's like, yeah, nobody really knows about, you know, you're put in a position, especially when you are the director and it's your thing. Now, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it makes me think like 
did that is there an enlightening experience in that where you sort of have a friend who you thought was a friend and then you go damn or oh, well, do you I mean, go look, i understand that that that's occurred over quarantine and uh, coming through covid i there were people that i did not i i, I didn't hear from her everything and there were just people i missed right and there were people i i reached out to and was like I haven't seen you at the club and I, I, I just, I was just calling to say, Hey, or I miss you or people that I really generally had a, a, a strong friendship with that. I'd, I'd call and be like, Hey, I love you. I hope your family's okay. I hope you're okay, whatever. And it's amazing. Like over the course of that time period, and even now as we're coming out of it, just, I, I found I've lost a lot of friendships and relationships due to it, but it, it almost kind of like, through osmosis, just let me naturally know who the people are that uh, genuinely appreciate my company and I appreciate their company. So uh, I've really kind of uh, I, I just it's, it's been narrowed down. And I, I don't know, it's, it, it's kind of crazy. That's that's an aspect I didn't expect to have post or even as we're still going through COVID, you know, so I don't know if you had the same experience, but I certainly did. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a narrowing down of a lot of things. It was narrowing down specifically of toxicity and weighted vibrations or frequencies that don't aren't conducive to my growth, Mm -hmm. whether it be substances, people, places. I definitely for me, it was different because I my my relationship ended and my mom died in quarantine. So I had Uh, to deal with loss on a, on a multitude of levels. And I indulged, I definitely indulged in unhealthy things and, mm -hmm. you know, sort of trying to find my balance through it all. But I also in that process was able to get rid of a lot and realize what things were holding me back and what things allowed me to fly free a little bit more. And, you know, the losses it's, it's somebody really smart my life coach it's such an la thing to say but I, people on this podcast know i have a life coach i have sure. a personal strategist that i work with because cool. i am interested in growing and the people i know that are successful do certain things and i do those things sure and uh his whole feeling and philosophy is once you strengthen your relationship with loss you will gain everything right and and I think quarantine definitely taught me to lose better and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what to learn on the other side of that. You know, it's I think we hang on to people because we're essentially in some sense, we're afraid of being alone. Right. And we're afraid of, you know, there's a lot of fear based decisions we make. And so we keep people around almost as just like placeholders and things around as placeholders. And Mm. it's almost like a hermit crab where you're just grabbing all this stuff and putting it in your shell because you think it's going to make you feel whole. Right. Yeah. And in fact, it's just a distraction. And so I got rid of a lot and learned to sort of navigate through life without certain people. And like you said, people didn't call and people who did, I'm sure. Did you experience like people who did call who you were like, Oh, I got, yeah a little shocked yeah exactly yeah yeah it's interesting you nurture that but uh, you know it's i mean maybe this is just because of what what has happened over the last 24 hours but you know i had done a documentary on the amazing jonathan and he passed last night that's right (gasps) so oh my god 
Yeah, I got. I'm I got, so sorry. No, no, no. I got news of it last night, but I, it, you know, uh, I, I went and saw him on Thursday, and I spent the day with him uh, with Joel, the subject uh, of of the documentary. Just this great relationship between him and Joel, and we got to spend the day with him. And then the next day, I left to go to Phoenix to do shows, and Joel, Joel said he asked where I was, and then he said, uh, he said, oh my God, I got to get ready for the show tonight. Now he's in hospice, he's in bed, he hasn't performed in years. And there was still like the element of within the chemistry of his brain, wow. knowing the backlog of who he is and his identity as a performer, I got to get ready for the show tonight. And then just realizing where he is again, you know, I, I don't know. It's it just like having done that and then seeing him and visiting him and knowing what he's gone through and everything it, it, it does like i i think it's like one of those things where you just reassess like how important is all this you know i mean mm -hmm. truly how important i i think like things definitely matter goals matter you want these things to occur i mean obviously we're in entertainment we dream of you know expressing ourselves via story or joke or specials or whatever and yes you they're all important they are important because they're a part of your identity, but, but like, like, I'm just like, like, I'm, I'm just wrestling the last, I guess, 72 hours, especially the last 24 or 12, I should say of just like, what is it that truly, truly does matter? Because when you're seeing somebody, you know, I'll always envision Jonathan as like this behemoth, this wrecking ball, mm -hmm. this frantic, violent, hilarious ball of energy on stage. And then to see, mm how it kind of descends and starts to end. And he got a very peaceful ending. He got to be at home in his bed and mm. he was, he was surrounded by, you know, loved ones and, and really, really his best friends. And, uh, but you, you just see it and it's so, it just, it goes by so quick, right? It goes it by. It does so go by so quick and how amazing that he was able to pass on in that way. Cause that's, I, you know, I think we all, wish that for our loved ones. We hope it for ourselves. And too often people don't get that, you know, they get yeah. ripped away from life in brutal ways. So that's a, a silver lining in the whole process of it all. It reminds me of something that Robin Williams said once where he says, um, you only have like, um, I, I have it here. You're only given a little spark of madness. You mustn't lose it. Yeah. And in the way you're describing you know, violent. I love that, that adjective being violent on stage. I think that's such a great way to describe the madness of performance yeah. and just the madness of living, the madness of existing. And, you know, I don't know if you know any local guys, probably not from where I'm from. Cause I know you're such a, you definitely have hometown pride and I experience the same thing, you know, being mm. where you're from and I'm from upstate New York, Syracuse. And my local guys are like Moody McCarthy Sure. Um, Nick Mara, um, Gomez Adams, who's like one of the radio guys there, mm -hmm. and Mike Goss, who was a local guy, and and he was he actually grew up and would work with Bobcat Goldthwait. Bobcat Goldthwait being wow. another local yeah, guy, and um, Mike Goss and Bobcat were like best friends, and I inadvertently knew Bobcat through that whole process. Mm -hmm. But Mike was my dad's best friend, and my dad used to go oh wow on weekends with Mike doing you know Mike would do stand up. Oh my god, that's crazy this is before I was even born wow. and I just, my dad told me that when I was younger and I didn't know what it meant because mm -hmm. I wasn't in the industry yet. And, and now I have such an appreciation for his 
desire to be with his friend on the road in a different yeah. way. Cause my dad was such a fan of comedy and, and loved in comedy. He loved comedy and is the reason essentially how I found it and how I came to know it could be a career. Mm -hmm. But I say that all to say Mike Goss and I became friends. I, you know, I started stand up 20 years ago when I was 19. And so Mike reached out to me right away. When my dad told him, he goes, anything you need, you let me know. I'll let you know the, what to wow, look out for, awesome. what to consider. If you want to run, run ideas off of me, I would often call him and be like, what do you think of this? And if I had a big audition. Sure. And he always wanted to know how was the set? How was the crowd? Like just the whole inner workings of it all. He loved mm -hmm. the mechanics of comedy. Yeah. And he would say often, and I think of it sometimes when I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I just want to stay in. I don't want to, oh, I don't want to go do a set. You know that mm -hmm. fucking 15 minutes, 20 minutes of work. And we're like, oh. Yeah, at eight o'clock at night. Oh, I don't want to get out of bed. What the fuck? <laughs> I'll think of Mike saying, you've got to be a tornado. Yeah. So he used to say to me, he's like, you need to be a fucking weather advisory. You have to be a winter storm warning. You need yeah. to go out there with fervor. Yeah. That's why well, you, you, you never meant. you never let him down. I'll, I'll tell you that much because you, you do bring that to, to the stage. But you do You're it with so charm. sweet. You, do you it better charm, stop yeah. it. Tell <laughs> Brad Pitt. Tell him. <laughs> I'm gonna, We're going I'm, to Poland I'm first. We're going to Poland <laughs> first before you drop anchor with Pitt, okay? I'm coming to Tom Segura's shows forever now. Did yeah. you see Tom met him? Yeah. And Rick Ryan Sickler. I don't know who the fuck you guys think you are posting up next to my husband who looks like a looks like a high school art teacher right now. A female He still one. looks very, very handsome. He, he's, he's still gorgeous. got it, right? Yeah. He's freaking gorgeous. Um, well, I honestly, I really appreciate you making time. But before you go, I want to ask you one more thing. Oh, yeah. And it's something since we kind of touched on it, uh, quarantine, even though we're hopefully coming out of this. Um, what are what are some ways that you think people can sort of get out of a rut? Because I think a lot of people got into a rut in quarantine or maybe got into sort of bad habits or maybe realized what they were doing wrong yeah. and, you know, what what are what are some things that you did to sort of survive that time or maybe thrive in it that you think would be useful for listeners? I I, I was always even even like at the height of COVID and everything. I think I was one of the first to get back on the road because the improv. Yeah, I remember like, seeing that. Like the week after George Floyd had gotten murdered, I was in Miami. Like it, it, it's just crazy. Like, like I remember flying and nobody was on the air, the airports, the planes were empty. It was like, Oh my God, this is, this is just a, a crazy experience. But, but through it all, I was always like, well, I, I, you know, I, I want to be a good citizen. I want to listen and receive the information, but I, I also still want to keep like experiencing things. I still want to do things. I still want to get out there and live my life. And, you know, my family and I, we just, we'd get in the car, we'd drive around, we'd, we just go places we hadn't been before, or, you know, do things. We took a road trip across the country and, you know, as things are starting to kind of slightly open up, but in California, I think it's so easy to get, uh, you know, stigmatized by, by the politics of everything. But like, yes, you know, I, I don't know. I moved to Tennessee like a year ago and it, it was like 2017 here. And I was like, well, there's no outbreaks. So I, I, I was always just like, just, I don't know to anybody, I, I guess that's out there that's questioning, you know, you know, it, it's so easy to go in those de depressive states, but there's so many wonderful things to keep you occupied and keep you positive. And I, I found myself listening to music and reading books and 
subjects I'd always wanted to explore, like Citizen Kane or, you know, the Endurance, which was a ship that went down in 1918 in, in Antarctica. It was like, these are things I always want to learn more about. And I took the time over the course of year and a half to two years to say, you know, now's the time to explore these things. And now's the time to read all those books I bought at, at Hudson News at the airport <laughs> yeah. and never read, you know. With, I got, the, with, the, with the receipt. <laughs> with the receipt as my bookmark. And I get eight pages in, I'd fall asleep on a plane and be like, okay, I'll just read it later. And I never I'm read it I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm yeah. glad I'm not the only one. So I read it later. I read it, I read it over the course of, of these last few months. And I don't know, I think like, again, like, like what we were talking about earlier, I think nurturing those relationships that, that really do mean something to you mm. that uh, are meaningful and impactful. It's like, go to Vegas, meet them up. You know, it's been a while. Let's all let's all reconvene. Let's let's ha- let's make a new memory. So that's, that's so funny. I, I just texted Josh that I'm like, I'm coming to Vegas because Josh Wolf oh. left where you are and he's in Vegas. And I'm like, I miss you. I'm coming to Vegas. When he left Nashville, I was like gutted because I just started to really hang. I always saw him in passing like like mm-hmm. we, we see each other in passing. And I always liked hanging out with him. I like the 10 minute catch ups in, in the he's hallway. Great. But but it's I was a good like, one. I got to know him. And I was like, man, what a great dude. I really look forward to hanging out and spending time and getting to know Josh and working with him. And then fucking gone. Rip. First snowflake, his wife's like, I'm out. It's like, you <laughs> fucking pussy. And Bethany's like, it's chilly. We have to go back to the desert. Yeah, I got to get a sweatshirt. I got to go. It's like, what <laughs> I need fuck? a beanie. Yeah. <laughs> Justin Martindale says... Everyone in weather, no one can, no, no one in LA can handle weather. When it turns sixty degrees, they're like, "Oh, it's brisk. I need a beanie." <laughs> <laughs> one of the best hair in comedy, Justin oh, Martindale. It's getting Great better and better. It's I'm unreal how it's like the more money the kid makes, it goes right into his hair. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would go everywhere horseback if I were him. It's just like, just let it like. He does have the physique of the men who are on the cover of like a Daniel Steele romance novel. <laughs> Just like a painted man on a like a huge Clydesdale with yeah. the sunset in the background. That's what he looks yeah. like. <laughs> now, are you coming I honestly, out to Nashville anytime soon? I was just going to tell you. I I was looking at my schedule. I uh, my podcast, my other podcast, girl with my friend Carly, and I am mm. looking it up right now. I know I'm in Nashville. We're actually coming soon. We're there Beautiful. one Sunday, April 10th. Are you in town? Sunday, I'll I'll make sure I'm here because come on the show. Sundays, I'm always I'm always around. Yeah, would love to. I would love to hang with you. I would love that, and I'll probably be in town for a couple days, so we should definitely grab lunch or dinner or something and hang out. I would love to see you in the flesh, a hundred percent, and hang out. But definitely come do the show for sure. Um, Is there anything you've got coming out that you want to promote? This will be up next. This will be up next week. Uh, you know, I'm just hitting the road as always. SteveBurnLive.com is where my tour dates are. Um, I'm getting ready to launch a podcast with Joe Gatto from Impractical Jokers. I fucking we love Joe. Banked a bunch of episodes. He's my He's... favorite. What's that? He's my favorite. Shh, don't tell, tell Saul. Don't tell Saul. I won't tell him, but I'll tell him. Don't tell him. Um, <laughs> but but he, he he's he's just the best. I've had a great time working with him. And I do a podcast at, out of Zany's Nashville called Comedy Pinata. We just launched it where comedians sit down and we watch stand-up comedy and we break down the bits. And Oh, that's fucking if you have funny. Time, I'd love to have you on yes. because it'd be a total blast. And you give me a list of names of people and we watch it and we just sit there and we just, all these stories come out. It's been so fun. It's been cathartic. It's been cool. It's been great hearing all these stories from all the comics. So, uh, I watched a little, I watched a, an episode and I wholeheartedly agreed with everything that was said about a particular comedian. So 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, fuck Jerry Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if that's the one, but I don't like him. I fucking hate him. Uh, but I would love to spend time with you and get to hear your thoughts. That was the one. Over. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one. Yeah. Biggest, <laughs> biggest turn. Biggest turn. I mean, it's why don't it's like the best kept secret in the industry. Oh, uh, there's not every a diaper time, big I'm enough like... to put his material in. It's he's <laughs> a horrible person. A horrible person. What's the deal with being a fucking asshole? I mean, he's just <gasps> Are you the one? Are you the one he said? Are you the name he said on comedians and cars getting coffee? I don't know. It might have been. I don't know what he said. Are I, you I friends like with? Him. Can I ask you insider info? And if we, if you need me to sure. cut this out after, we can. Are you friends with um, Bridget? Uh, no. Okay. I know who you're talking right. about, but I'm not friends with her now. You know, uh, you know Bridget. Yes. Are okay. you talking Bridget Everett? Yeah. Who's, I, I don't know her personally. Yeah, she's so magical. She's she was definitely a New York City staple, but it was her episode. Okay, and I now I need to go back and watch it because he mentioned a comedian's name that they bleeped out. Yeah, where he said he couldn't fucking stand him, and I I wondered there was a handful of people I was curious about. Oh, I'd love I love it. If it was me. I, I'd wear it as a badge of honor because <laughs> believe me, it is, you should use it as a credit. <laughs> it is reciprocal. He is a piece of. <laughs> And there's not even any corn in that. It just, it's just, there's nothing positive about that, that turd. It just, oh, what a horrible person. I can go on Bridget. and on about it. But yeah. I like Bridget. Bridget's She's funny. Great. Yeah. She's so funny. Oh, God. This really made me laugh to my core. What a horrible person. Uh, SteveBurnLive.com. I look forward to whatever you're working on. I, I hope that you're in, inspired to write something again and that. I can help yeah. in some sort of Trying way. Trying to sell two right now. So if I get one, believe me, one of the first calls I make is to make it up to you. I can't wait to be in another deleted scene, which no, I would no, be no, more one, than happy. got to be in it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I honestly, you're, you know, there's a handful of people that I, when I have on, I kind of kill two birds with one stone with like getting to know, catching up sort of vibe. And I yep. feel that from you. Like you're definitely somebody who I, genuinely like talking to and i would take up two more hours of your time if i could but we're gonna have to save that for Next nashville time, yeah. and nashville hook up. for sure it is and then you gotta you gotta do me the solid and come on mine heck right. yeah right, heck yeah cool. brother it was right. so good to hear from you so so thankful that you made time and i appreciate you, you and i look on. forward to seeing you yeah definitely this was a, uh, a healthy distraction so i really yes. appreciate this and this has been, this has got my mind off of things much like that guy uh that i met in iraq so i i really appreciate it. i couldn't think of a a better individual to spend time with than you today well, thank, so thank you, you for me on. appreciate it i'm gonna have to listen back and think about whatever that joke was you said i needed to write down i will do that i'll have, yes. I'll have my producer get on that and just All right. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much it was so good to see you you got it absolutely thank you again bye all right, so we just do it like that? And then they yeah, we just leave. Okay.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.